Welcome to All About Art. My name is Alexandra, and I'm an art historian, curator, and writer. Within this podcast, topics relating to art history, cultural policy, the art sector, as well as a large range of other art-related topics will be covered. Conducting critical discussions, having entertaining exchanges, or just enjoying some relaxing chats? All About Art is where you'll find it all. Join me in exploring and developing cultural discourse. Welcome to another episode of All About Art. In this episode, I speak to Sophie Lambert, who works in sales and exhibitions at the fabulous Listen Gallery in London. We talk about her experience and her job a bit, but the biggest topic we cover is Freeze Art Fair. This episode is launching a day before the 2022 London Fair opens, and Sophie has given me an inside exclusive on Listen Gallery's booth. We talk about the artist and what her works entail, but Sophie also tells me about what the process is like preparing for such a big fair and what it means to have a solo presentation versus showing works by a multitude of artists, both of which you will see at the fair this year. In addition, she gives some good advice to visitors on how to combat fair fatigue, so stay tuned for that. I also want to say that we talk a lot about works by various artists, so I've made sure to put some links in the show notes for you as listeners to click on while you're tuning in, in case you want to see the art for yourself. Thank you, Sophie, for coming on the podcast. Before I dive in, I wanted to let you lovely listeners know that All About Art is on Patreon. So if you want some behind-the-scenes content, maybe a bit of merch, the chance to get one-on-ones with me and my guests, or you're simply wanting to support this project, I would be absolutely thrilled if you decided to sign up. You can do so through the link in the show notes. I also wanted to say thank you to those who have already signed up. Your support means the world, and it makes the further production, improvement, and growth of the podcast possible. And for that, I'm incredibly grateful. And now, on to the interview. Hi, Sophie. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I am going to dive right into my first question, because I'd like to start off with a bit about you and your background. You went to Columbia for your bachelor's degree and Courtauld for your master's. And your work experience includes galleries and auction houses. And now you work at Listen Gallery. Can you tell me more about that? What did you study and how does your background inform your role today? I studied at Barnard College at Columbia University where the liberal arts education afforded me a broad and deep foundation, setting me up with critical thinking and analytical skills to start undertaking a variety of internships already while studying. It was really such a vast education in terms of periods and artists and practices from the beginning of time all around the world. And that strong background only enhances one's appreciation of and ability to contextualize contemporary art in a meaningful way. Absolutely. I totally agree. At the Courtauld Institute of Art, where I did my master's degree in history of art, the program allowed me to delve even deeper into very specific subject matters, undertaking original research and relying mostly on primary sources in French or Italian or Latin or German. (laughs) 
and then research undertaken in situ. But at both Barnard and the Courtauld, it was the faculty who are leading scholars in their fields and my fellow students all sharing the same level of passion that made the education so invaluable. I cut my teeth in the auction world at Sotheby's for two years in um, the ancient and European sculpture departments. Nice. Where the auction calendar was very regulated. We had our two sales twice a year. Yep. And I learned so much about the art business from those years in particular. The best part about that job, without question, was the close proximity to the artworks yeah. and having objects from my sale on my desk on a regular basis, walking through the offices and the exhibition galleries and seeing the artworks of other departments, an absolute highlight every day. Yeah, this is where I find it really interesting to talk about the different roles within auction houses because you know, when people ask me about my experience, I'm very much like I had no contact with the art because I was in the bids department, but I knew how to, how a sale would run from basically kind of the basics all the way to getting an auction over over the table and like getting it done with and, and fielding bids in the room, being next to the auctioneer. But I think being in a department and being in a specialist department and then having these artworks in close proximity is such a rewarding thing when you can work in, as I said, a specific department in an auction house. Absolutely. Yeah. So for the past five years, I've been in the sales and exhibitions department at Listen Gallery, which is one of the longest running and most influential contemporary art galleries in the world. It is a special privilege to be here at Listen. I joined in 2017 when the gallery was celebrating its 50th anniversary and the gallery is known today for its reputation. It is hugely respected as a, a serious institution in the international art world. One of the exhibitions I love to mention is the wall show that the founder Nicholas Logsdale organized and curated in 1970 to 1971 where artists were invited to make a proposal for one of 20 blank walls spread across two gallery spaces. I think that exhibition concept and the commitment to the artists to have free reign to realize whatever they could imagine really shows the gallery's commitment to conceptual art from those early days. So because you work in sales and exhibitions, what does your job entail? What's your day-to-day -day like? So my day-to-day -day involves working with clients on the sales side, which includes art advisors, private collectors, institutional collections, and then working directly with the artist studios on the artist side. The gallery works with about 50 artists and represents about 10 artist estates. Every couple months, we're opening new shows at our galleries around the world. With the artists, we're working closely on every aspect that you can imagine, uh, from helping with the production of new inventory to managing conversations with museums, and other exhibition venues about loans, about group and solo exhibitions, 
private and public commissions, press requests, uh, managing the financial aspects of producing work, managing an inventory, managing international transport and insurance, all of those logistics. Oof. <laughs> that last one, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess this is kind of a good segue into the project that I've been focusing on recently and which is debuting imminently, yes. which is Freeze. Yep. Because this episode is coming out right around the Freeze Art Fair in London, where galleries from around the world exhibit in the contemporary exhibition, contemporary exhibit in the temporary exhibition space in Regent's Park. Also contemporary. Also contemporary. <laughs> temporary and contemporary. So tell me more about that and maybe what the process is like and, and how it came about. So um, Freeze is definitely the most exciting moment in the London art calendar. So I'm personally very excited about the moment. Like many galleries of our size, we do exhibit at fairs around the world. Yeah. Um, but London is particularly special to us because that's where our story started here in Marlebone, actually, in 1967. Last year, Listen Gallery presented a small booth at Freeze, which was dedicated to a brand new film by Garrett Bradley, the artist whose film we walked through to get up here yes, to we did. this room in which we're recording. Yeah. It was called AKA, and it was the first in a trilogy of short films which explored relationships between mothers and daughters. You might be familiar with her film Time, which was nominated for the Academy Award and for which she was the first black woman to win Best Director at Sundance in 2020. Oh my god. Um, the film we walked through mm -hmm. to get to this room yeah. is called Safe, which is on view at Listen Gallery through the end of October. Amazing. So if people are listening now, then they should come to the gallery and come see it. Definitely. It is the second in the trilogy of short films and explores the nuanced overlap between women's interior and exterior lives. She uses visual metaphor and a three-channel installation with each channel occupying a different physical space yeah. at our 67 Listen Street building, all unified by a single soundtrack. And she's seeking to visualize intuition and instinct going so far as to suggest that the interior is a radical or even political space of life. She gave an example of meditating and how thoughts will recur to you throughout a day, for example, or even throughout a longer period of time, but that your experience with that thought varies based on external stimuli. And that's one of the things that she's trying to replicate in the film installation because the soundtrack features external stimuli, sounds such as sirens, which replicate that feature of everyday life and challenge us to stay focused on the visual metaphors playing out on each screen. Amazing. Yeah, when we were walking through, and um, I mean, I was saying this to you, but I might as well repeat it for the listeners. I thought that it was incredibly wonderful to experience that sound. It was very uh, all-encompassing because it was in each room. But then the way that I, I guess the way that 
my mind and my emotions kind of reacted with the sound was very dependent on the visual stimuli. And I thought that that was an interesting parallel to be pulled with her example of meditation and the surroundings and external influences that have an impact on our thoughts. And so I really, really loved that. But um, also for the listeners, Sophie has brought Listen Gallery's freeze preview for this year for me to see. So I only had a teeny tiny peek at the works, obviously to prepare for the episode, but I tried to leave a bit more uh, so that I could have a little surprise during recording. And so Sophie, why don't you tell me about the artist and why you chose her for a solo presentation at the booth for Freeze 2022? Absolutely. So this year we are featuring a solo booth of work by Laure Provost, one of the artists I have the pleasure of working with personally. Listeners may be familiar with her recent representation of France at the Venice Biennale in 2019. Prior to that, she was the recipient of the Turner Prize in 2013 and the Max Mara Art Prize for Women in 2011. Wow. That's so impressive. Um, And London has always been a special place for Lore because she studied at Central St. Martin's and then at Goldsmiths. When Lore moved to the UK, she, as a native French speaker, she experienced firsthand the challenges and limits of language. So the inherently flawed system of language has been at the heart of her practice since the beginning. Lore uses language in every single medium from being the focus on a sign painting to using language in subtitles on films where the subtitles actually contrast with the audio that's being played in the film. Uh, So for Lore, language is really a vehicle for both communication but also miscommunication understanding but also misunderstanding and with language lore addresses her viewers directly conjuring sometimes fantasies and playful scenarios in their imagination which becomes an extended space for the artwork juxtaposing fantasy against reality blurring the lines of perception and experience and that is what we wanted to achieve in the booth with lore lore works in many different media yep i'm just having a peek i'm pulling up the uh the preview now as well and it's so interesting to look at all the different ways in which she she presents her concepts so even just looking through the preview we see a protest banner yep no more frontiers you see text there and then you'll see text on flags across the panels of painting compositions yeah so it's oil on canvas but as i'm reading the medium just to see how varied it is in one piece it's oil on canvas silk gloves silk flag on wooden branch metal bucket and concrete and that comes together in one work that is going to be showing at listen's booth so lore has created this concept called sea star and that's the name of the booth and if you look at this watercolor that she made you can see there are these standing panel paintings in the shape of a sea star the booth brings together three different panel paintings 
of 13 panels in total. When you approach the booth, you'll see the backs of the canvases and you'll need to enter inside the composition, inside the sea star to get the full immersive experience. So you'll be surrounded on all sides by either the paintings or Lore also works in tapestry in the traditional Flemish technique and there will be a tapestry on the back wall. So inside the sea star, you will have an immersive experience. And then when you're, when you're inside the sea star, there are holes cut in some of the canvases where in some cases there's been a silk glove that's been attached where you could reach through into the silk glove, which is holding a protest flag on the other side of the painting. Will viewers or visitors to the fair actually be able to come and put their arm into the silk glove? Yeah, I can see you nodding. Wow. So it's very interactive as well, which is not something that you get very often at Freeze, is it? Absolutely. And participation is something that's integral to Lore's philosophy and practice and I'm thinking of some of her past exhibitions um, where maybe there's a a resin floor that has cast glass elements integrated into it found objects and and it's a floor so visitors are walking across it to get from one part of the exhibition to another even even conceptually if you think about her works and the fact that she uses language and the language is something that we process conceptually and plays out in our minds as the viewer that in itself is a level of participation and interaction so here you do have a physical interaction through reaching through the canvases and the other holes in the canvases are apertures through which you can glimpse other works on the booth. That includes films on monitors. That includes some relics, which are objects which have a special meaning for lore, which are explained by a text sign. I can mention this one actually. Mother got drunk from this glass before making another human brain on the 4th of February is what the sign reads and it's with a glass. So the glass has this significance, obviously. It's on a pedestal. It has a sign. The sign almost plays with labels that you would expect to see at an art museum. I mean, there's that whole discussion around, what was it? I... I can't recall the artist's name right now, but it was the candy wrappers, the person who um, maintains and cleans the museum at night. They thought that this artwork that was comprised of candy wrappers was something to throw away. And I think that that also sparks a discussion of how do we even recognize a work of art or uh, there's that humorous skit in um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he has a silver wig and is walking around yelling derivative, derivative, derivative and at the end sees something random in the room and uh, I think it was a fire hydrant or gosh something really random I may be mixing that up with Sex in the City now <laughs> um, but he says oh but this this is a masterpiece and it's just something that 
belongs to the structure of the room it's not it's not part of the exhibition and it's very much like how do we recognize a work of art when a lot of it can be very conceptual or be taken from the everyday so it's almost like these discussions talk about oh white cube space putting it on a pedestal and label it and now we can call it art but we can also further the discussion and touch on how this relates to people and who it reaches in different ways and makes them think about things that they wouldn't have thought prior to that so i guess contextualization becomes an important part of that conversation here which is quite interesting absolutely and i think that's felix gonzalez torres i was at a collector's home i never thought i would see a work by felix gonzalez torres in a collector's home and and there i was it was absolutely incredible i was so moved um, what you were talking about, the how, there it is, I see it, seal floyer handbook. What is the definition of a work of art? How do we know what's a work of art? And seal floyer is one of the most significant conceptual artists, especially to come out of the 1990s. And her works epitomize that question um, and she famously did a work called garbage bag which is a ready-made garbage bag that is filled with air from the room in which it's going to be installed and is installed in the the white cube gallery space I love it I'm going to have to have a peek at that book and for anyone listening because you can't look around at the listen gallery library I will make sure to link the book in the show notes but I have a question about the listen booth at freeze why did you choose to go with a solo presentation instead of showing a variety of works by multiple artists on your roster a solo booth is a great way to exhibit the breadth and depth of an artist's practice. And Lore is an artist who works in many, many materials, from film and paintings to glass and resin and even tapestries. And we wanted to create an experience akin to the experience of her work in museum exhibitions, especially the participatory experience of navigating new environments and interacting with the works. Listen Gallery participates in fairs around the world, Art Basel, Freeze, and our, our strategy suits both the audience and fits into our global program um, or objectives. And in this case, we had an opportunity following on the fact that we did a small solo presentation last year with Garrett Bradley. This year, we had an opportunity to do a solo presentation with Lore. London is a special place for lore and in in bringing together so many different facets of lore's practice we're able to give the experience albeit on a much smaller scale as some of her major exhibitions that have been shown around the world um, and like you commented there are so many different media that she's using. She's using unique objects in glass, 
I'm looking at Empowered Pigeon 2, which is using language in its title. It's a sculpture of two glass pigeons in a pile of bird seed, one of which has a branch in its mouth that is turning into an electrical cable. Looks like the other half of an iPhone cable, <laughs> which gives them power. And our whole team admitted that nobody really clocked the significance of the title, the meaning of the title, Empowered Pigeon, until we're installing these birds with the, the electrical cable. Many layers of significance. And I mean, there's also that political layer we were talking about, and we're bringing in references to conspiracy theories and issues of surveillance, which are also incredibly interesting through the political nuances of her works. I think there's definitely political awareness by Lore, and at the same time as Freeze, actually for the entire month of October, through the Circa Commission, she has a brand new film that will be playing on billboard screens around the world. Here in London, it's at Piccadilly Circus, and there will also be an augmented reality component. So if you're at London, <laughs> go check it out at the Shaftesbury Memorial Fountain at Piccadilly Circus, where uh, a monumental octopus comes to life amidst protest signs. Some of the protest signs read, no more frontiers, like we saw on the freeze booth. And along with the, the idea that Actually, I'll read, I'll read a quote by Lore, which explains why you saw birds in the freeze booth and why the octopus recurs in the paintings, in the films, in tapestries, throughout Lore's oeuvre. Lore said, Could we be birds, sea animals who belong to no nation, free to follow our own migration routes? Could we be a bird flying across continents or an octopus swimming across oceans thinking about touch? We as one belonging to one world, could we dream of no more frontiers? I think that sums it up so, so magnificently. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we are recording this podcast pre-freeze, so I have yet to see the actual booth. I mean, it's not yet even in existence physically in terms of the install, but I am so, so excited to see it at the fair and to put my hand inside the pink glove and hold the protest sign. It's going to be amazing. And something that I'm interested in talking about is female representation in the arts. In a recent article I read in Forbes, there are so many statistics about the massive gap there still is when it comes to gender in the arts. Quoting the article using a sample of 1.9 million auction transactions from 1970 to 2016 for nearly 70,000 individual artists, researchers found that works by female artists sell for a 42% less than works by male artists. Another stat in the article is that when a man signs a work of art, it increases in value compared to when it isn't signed, but when a woman signs it, it decreases in value. So I wanted to ask, was the decision to have a solo presentation by a female artist an intentional move to positively impact gender inequalities in the art market? I don't want to speak on behalf of the gallery regarding its view on this topic, just because I don't, I don't think I should. However, what I can say is that 
right now in London, Listen has two solo presentations by women artists at our Marlebone galleries on Bell Street and on Listen Street. One is by the Colombian nonagenarian artist Olga de Amaral. Gorgeous works in fiber, which have uh, been applied with gesso and then paint, sometimes layers of silver leaf or gold leaf, creating these intricately hand-woven compositions. Um, and then Garrett Bradley's film that we walked through. And then Lore, a, a solo booth by Lore at Freeze. So in London right now, Listen's presentations are by women artists, and that is amazing. Next month, in a couple weeks, <laughs> next week at the new Art Basel Paris Plus, we are featuring a booth of women artists. So our booth will include some of the more expected names like Carmen Herrera, um, who has a, a really magnificent story. And I encourage everyone to read her obituary in the New York Times, which I find inspiring and moving, as well as works by Joanna Pousset Dart. We've had an exhibition by her in London recently. Uh, Yu Hong, who we just started representing. Olga de Amaral will also feature on the booth. And Shirze Hushiari, one of the other women artists I've had the privilege of working with, who will also be exhibited at Freeze London in the curated section, which was curated by the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi curator Sandini Podar. I think that that's absolutely phenomenal. And in this case, actions really do speak louder than words. I think that it's really great that the exhibitions during Freeze are solo shows by women artists. The Freeze booth is a solo presentation with works by a female artist and that two years in a row and Paris Plus now as well. And honestly, I think that that sort of says it all in terms of my question, doesn't it? <laughs> I think that that's really, really wonderful. But art fairs can also be intimidating for some people. What's a piece of advice that you would give someone visiting the fair? My personal strategy is to be methodical in one's approach. I always pick up a copy of the map, or consult the, if there's no physical map, there are boards throughout which indicate where you are in relation to the booths. And I follow the aisles up and down to make sure I give myself a chance to see everything. But I generally move pretty quickly, only pausing or stopping when something arrests me or attracts me like a magnet. Um, I would say, go early. You can fight off fair fatigue with snacks and water to a certain degree. For people who haven't, for any new visitors to the fair, don't be afraid to take pictures if you want. Um, but in terms of time and energy and attention, I think a restaurant menu actually offers a really good analogy to the experience of a fair or even for a big day at a museum. Uh, because, you know, you glance at the menu to see what's available, but you only order a couple, maybe a few dishes. You don't order every single dish on the menu. 
don't feel obligated to actually look at every single work. Uh, I would say pay most attention to what attracts you. Wow, I absolutely love that analogy. And I love how you really took the time to to prepare that answer for, for me and for the listeners. I think that it's really, really great. And it's a good strategy to have. Finally, I have one last question to ask you, and it's a fun one that I love to ask all of my guests here on the podcast. If you could pick one artist from art history to have dinner with, who would it be and why? Um, this is such a good question. <laughs> um, there's actually an artist that I've had lunch with who I would love to have dinner with, <laughs> um, and that's Shirazay Hushiari. And her work is going to be exhibited at Freeze as well. Shirazé had a special year this year being elected Royal Academician, and she has a huge solo exhibition next year in China. And this presentation is a bit of a, a teaser ahead of that exhibition. Um, but her practice is so intricate and inspiring. For about the past 10 years, she's worked with the canvases on the floor of the studio using pigment mixed in with water, pouring it across the surface and allowing the natural forces of gravity to dictate what the composition is more or less going to look like. When the water evaporates, the pigment leaves its trace and it has this very three-dimensional textural quality it's not paint it's actual pigment and it resembles almost like um like clay more like clay than any other kind of material and she uses very vivid pigments and goes in then by hand with a pencil and reconciles the chaos that was produced by gravity and by the flow the uncontrollable flow of water and resolves this with um with intention and control and she uses an affirmation and a denial uh, i am i am not presence absence an expression that was written in arabic script that's compressed and pulled apart to the point of total illegibility and this is written over the surface in what becomes, in what appears to be a, a net or a web or uh, a lace. So the result on the surface of each composition is this incredible pull between these natural forces that have produced the, the general thrust of the composition and this incredible resolution of the composition by Shirazé's hand. That sounds absolutely incredible and you just pulled up the images for me to see and I really appreciate it because they are just breathtaking. I will make sure to link as many visuals as possible in the show notes as well for listeners to click on because I'm aware that this is fully audio and that it may be really good for people if they would like to see what we're talking about that the resources are there. Sophie, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. It was absolutely lovely. 
Oh, it's such a pleasure for me too. Thank you so much for having me and I'll see everybody at Freeze. And that is it for today on All About Art. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a rating or a review as it helps more people discover the show. Also, feel free to share with your friends or if you share on social media, tag me and get in touch. Thank you so much for listening.